0: The biggest thing you gave me was time.
1: I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well.
0: When you're a family, everyone in the family has to be treated with respect.
1: I couldn't have done this without you coming here to, to K-State. You've been my confidant and, and in the room with me. I want to know who you really are, right? You can put whatever you want on
0: paper, but that that doesn't really matter. These teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is. They don't care what you know. <laughs> I'd like for you to talk to us about your journey from from, uh, to becoming a head coach in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals to now where you are as a special advisor to the head coach at Arizona State University. Take us as briefly or as thoroughly as you like through, through your story, story, through your journey. Okay.
1: All right. I, I think probably the, the first thing I would say, well, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, but you know, when you get into coaching, um, I, I think we all share, uh, a different path, you know, our expectations that times are are different, you know? When when you mean the first year I was a coach was 1981, and uh, I was a graduate assistant coach, and I got my first full time job in 1982 with uh, part time pay, right. <laughs> you know. <No> <laughs> <laughs> but you, all at at those times you aspire to be the best position coach you can be. Uh, you you try and grow as a as a position coach. Uh, as a recruiter, and so forth, and then you have aspirations to be a coordinator. You know, I can remember wanting to be a coordinator, and then they may be recruiting coordinator. When well, I wasn't a coordinator, I wanted. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was good. You know you you learned the organizational skills and and setting a direction and being in charge of of others and so forth. In fact, at one point, one one spring recruiting period, I mean, the budget was what it was, and I had to make sure all nine coaches at that time or eight, whatever it was, could go and spend two and a half, three weeks out. You know, so I had to almost arrange their trips and, and organize where everybody was going and how they were going to go about it. So that was all great learning. Um, but then I got the opportunity, you know, you uh, when Bill Walsh started the fellowship program, I got an opportunity to interview for a position with Coach Walsh. And I remember I was on vacation in Pittsburgh, and I got the call to to fly out to uh, San Jose, Santa Clara, or at that time Redwood City, where their offices were, and uh, uh, meet with Coach Walsh. And I remember him picking up my resume, and this is what he said to me. He said, Marvin, you need to get to one of them schools where you can pick up the schedule and you know you can win eight nine games and you've been at these schools where you're scuffling to win five six seven games yeah you know and he was serious he's like you know you you your career has been like mine and uh so but he that time 1980 was very influential uh for me 1988 spending that time I spent with the 49ers in training camp I got the position uh and uh, I spent three weeks with them. And, and so, you know, I, I just learned so much. I, uh, with people like uh, Denny Green, Ray Rhodes, Sam Lewis, Mike Holmgren, George Seifert, Bill McPherson, who I worked directly with um, on, on defense, a linebacker coach at the time. So I just got an opportunity to learn uh, so much. And, and it's funny because the expectations of me when I was there, was you just going to be one of the coaches. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to give you these young guys, and we want you to coach them up. Well, I'm so busy trying to learn myself. You know, I wasn't able to coach Bill Romanowski, who was a rookie at that time. Charles Haley was in the second year. But Keenan Turner was injured, and so he was kind of with me all this time, kind of talking me through, you know, what the call was and what it meant and so forth. So, uh, So then at that point, then all of a sudden I had a different outlook and now I have my 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 goals change. Right. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to go back and coach at University of Pittsburgh. And uh, at, at that point now I am coaching elite players, guys that you know in four years are gonna go to the NFL, different than what college is now, but we can get to that because right. they, they hoped that they could get to the ne- the next level in four or five years. Now they walk in the door. And they think they're going to say goodbye to you in three years and be gone.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so,
0: goodbye uh, for, for all kinds of reasons nowadays. Yes, all
1: kinds of reasons. It's just different. But, but that was really good. And then I got the opportunity to go, uh, you know, I, I think when we're around coaches, I think one of the things is the network of people that you have and people that you touch or touch you You never know when that person is going to be the person that helps you along your career or you can give them a hand up in their career. And for me, that was Bill Cowher, who we had met at a football camp when I was really a sophomore in high school and he was a junior. And later on, i go and work with him and Marty Schottenheimer with the Chiefs. And Marty was from my hometown. And then later, Bill gets a job with the Steelers and he brings me upon his staff. So now I'm an assistant in the National Football League. And so, again, back to trying to be the best coach I can be at my position, you know. And, uh, uh, and then after three years or two years, I guess it was, when uh, Dom Capers was going to leave us and uh, to become the head coach in Carolina, uh, Bill actually interviewed myself and Vic LeBeau to be the coordinator uh, with the Steelers. Um, because he did not want to change and bring somebody new and and so forth. And I can remember telling my wife after I met with Bill, we had lost in the championship game. And uh, I met with Bill that next week at some point. And, uh, I came home and I said, I think I'm going to get the job. That next morning, I go in early to work out. And, you know, Bill comes crashing through the coach's dressing room. I knew at that point I didn't get the job. <laughs> Bill didn't leave nothing he wasn't going to leave nothing on his chest over time, you know. But he hired Dick, who I was great with, you know, who I had worked with. He taught me so much about being an NFL coach. Hell, I had Dick LeBeau's trading card as a kid growing up, you know. Uh, him and them, Barney, they were like my favorite players, you know. So, so it was really a great experience. But now you got different aspirations. Now I do aspire uh, to be a defensive coordinator. And uh, and later after the '95 season, I got that opportunity. <clears throat> excuse me, going to Baltimore and and being a part of the Ravens. And so your your journey, you know, it, it takes so many twists and turns and so forth. Um, you know, during that time period, Tyrone Whittingham had got the job at Stanford. He'd offered me an opportunity to come with him, and I and I chose to stay there in Pittsburgh. Um, even after doing the whole Ravens thing, uh, I got an opportunity to possibly uh, be the head to be the head coach at Cal. I was offered the job at Cal Berkeley, and uh, and I chose to, to stay put with the Ravens. And after the during the O one season, um, and then I left after the O one season, went to the Washington Redskins uh, with Coach Steve Spurrier. So the one thing that, and I'll hit it later on that I was fortunate. I worked for three first-time head coaches in the NFL, which was really beneficial for me when I finally got the opportunity. I worked for Bill Cowher, um, Steve Spurrier, and then Brian Billick. So I got an opportunity to learn something from each of those men as they undertook becoming a head coach for the first time. Now, in Coach Spurrier's case, he'd already been a head coach in college for, you know, two different spots for many years, but the other guys, it was their first opportunity, so I learned a lot from them, um, but then got the opportunity, uh, after, during the, the 2002 season when I was with the Redskins, I was actually offered the job in East Lansing at Michigan State, and, and chose again to stay in the NFL, and uh, so I called my, my, my good friend, Ozzy Newsom and said, Oz, I think I'm going to stay put, and he said, if you're not careful, you're going to end up the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> and i said ah that that sounds pretty good right now and uh and truly that's what happened uh, but i remember working up on uh, monday morning in east lansing and uh going out and opening the hotel door and getting the usa today and trying to figure out what cincinnati did what detroit did with all these teams that was at the bottom of the at the wrong, that might be looking for new head coaches, how they did in their game. And uh, so, and, and that's kind of how it worked out. I got the opportunity uh, to go to the Bengals. Uh, I think the other thing that helped me during that transition was the fact that I had worked for two already family-owned teams, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and then the, the Baltimore Ravens, Mr. Modell. And so that was very helpful when I went to meet with the Brown family, Mike Brown and his family, that it was a family-run organization, and uh, and and that part was very similar to what I knew. So, so kind of my journey that way was that. But along the way, I also did one-time interview for the job at the New England Patriots before Bill Belichick got it, and uh, when they called and asked me to come for an interview. Uh, That Brian came in and he said, Do you have an agent? I said, No, I don't have an agent. So, well, we got to get you an agent. I said, Well, who's your agent? So, that brother was sitting outside. The black man was sitting out there in the lobby like a week ago. I said, Oh. And so that was Ray Anderson, who now I work for here at ASU. And and so that's how the whole thing at ASU has come about. Uh, Ray, when uh, Ray took the job as athletic director, he said, hey, we are, my, my daughter came to school out here in 03. Uh, she's lived here. We have three grandsons that we live with about 10 minutes away from. And uh, Ray said, hey, whenever you're done, you know, I would love you to come help us uh, with our program. And, and part of one of my my, my uh, responsibilities here, there have been many, but one of them is to help mentor our young coaches and our players. Uh, to help grow our young coaches and uh, help them with their career aspirations, as well as our players and what's expected of them, and 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 what how do you get to the next level and not just get there, but how do you stay there? Is probably my biggest thing is trying to teach these kids how you stay at the next level because they'll get an opportunity, but it's what you do once you're there, and, and trying to convince them of that. So that's kind of been my journey to where I am now and uh, even with uh, being with Coach Edwards and now uh, with Coach Kenny Dillingham and his staff and like Kenny says, I want you to be kind of be like the head coach and when something's not right, let me know, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and literally he talks to me every day about stuff, you know, that i see, seen and, uh, and it's been great.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, that is an amazing story. Again, I followed you and many of those things I didn't know. But but what I heard in your story, in your journey is, man, you had an opportunity to be around some great coaches, not just what they do on the football field, but great men in terms of the way they develop coaches and the way they develop their teams and the leadership And, you know, I I remember as you were talking, I go back and I remember, you know, when I was younger, I was always that kid who loved to go and visit like my aunts and uncles and grandparents. And I like to go and visit them just because I I always wanted to learn from them. I always wanted to, to gain wisdom that they had. And so as I'm listening to your story, I'm thinking about, man, what that must have been like to be with. Those coaches on the 49ers staff because that's like an all star group of, of coaches, uh, that, that you had an opportunity to be around, and so that, that, that got like I said, kind of hit me the right way,
1: uh, It literally was, and, and, and that's what you know. You, you now, I think the difference is these college staff with the analysts and everything, it's so huge, and but. And the other thing that's kind of happened is the college calendar is almost parallel now to the NFL calendar. So there's not as much time to fellowship and go and learn, to network right. and learn like we used to be able to do back in the day, you know, where you could go and visit a training camp. You know, go, go here. Let's go here for three days. Let's go here for three days. I mean, I talk, I think about it all the time, how much time I used to spend. Before we got started, you know, in, in college coaching is learned from these people, you know, uh, I tell Kyle Whittingham all the time, I spent so much time with his father, Fred Whittingham, when I was at Long Beach State and later in New Mexico, going and, watch, and being with coach Whittingham with the Ram. And he taught me so much about coaching linebackers, you know, and, and I've been kind of I've been lucky I've been a sponge, you know. Uh, with, with that kind of stuff and I think that's the thing that in coaching nowadays and trying to always impress upon with those podcasts about you be the best you can be at what you're doing right now where your feet are you know that's right. so important you learn there's a lot of different ways to coach whatever technique um, and you got to learn listen and every time you say it, just like you said we got started I may say something today that somebody else said, but I'm going to say it's slightly different and it may hit upon someone
0: else differently. Right. So my next question is about your core, your core values. Here at Kansas State, we talk a lot about core values. And I had uh, Coach Kleinman, I head coach on, and and we talked about, he and I talked about the, the core values that we have and our team that we've, instilled here at our program we've installed and I would ask you in your programs and even in what you do today as you as you develop young coaches what are the things that are important to you in that development development of your players of your coaches what are the things that you feel like if you're a coach and you're starting a program and you want to develop leadership what are the things that are most important in that process to you I would say the first thing I would say is respect.
1: I would say respect for each other, respect for what we do, respect for the game, and I think accountability. You know, we have to be accountable and and and, and available. But available comes down the line because the first two things, you know, or what we need to get going, you know, as far as just a young man, you know, mm-hmm. teaching them respect. Teaching them, and that's the hardest thing with the young people today, is getting them to understand respect. And it's okay, they talk to each other this way, but if somebody from outside their their group talks to them that way, they, they offend it. And so really teaching them the respect of young people, of the how you carry yourself, can you carry yourself, not on, only in the football field, but at IBM. Right fortune 500 company because football doesn't last forever you're not an entertainer you're not a singer you're not a performer you know at some point this comes to an end and what are you going to do with your life after that and not all of them are going to make it and so i think those things in my opinion are really important and even at the professional level you know is is so many of those young men we were fortunate enough to draft and bring into the program teaching them Uh, about the respect of each other, of how to work as a teammate, but how to be a, a, a husband, how to be a father and be productive. And I think that's so important. And that's probably the most fulfilling thing that I can think about for me and what I've been able to do as a coach is the fact that look upon all these young men that I've been able to fortunate enough to be around and how they're doing today.
0: Yeah, I um uh, I you you I just kind of just listening to you. I, I remember that uh was something you just said. I remember a few years ago I had an opportunity as well to do the the Bill Walsh Fellowship, did it with the 49ers. And and I remember that experience that, you know, even though these were professional players, man, as I was talking to them, they reminded me of my players, even though these guys are making millions of dollars and Way back when I played, I, I didn't make millions of dollars, uh, and so you kind of regard them in a different light. You know what I mean? And I think people in our society regard them in a different light because, you know, you see the 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 money, you see the money that they make, but they're still kids, right? When I say kids, I mean they're still young men who are growing and who are developing and who need discipline. Who who want discipline, right? They want people to tell them the right things to do. They want people to help them, right? Uh, And so we have, the people with gray hair, we have, that seasoning is what I like to call that. Uh, We had a responsibility to lead them in the right way because people did that for us, you know? So my next question, and this is this is a cool one. And it'll be a cool one for you is because you, you've been around some tremendous leaders over the course of your career and life. You've been around some tremendous leaders. And so I'm going to make this I say cool, but it's kind of difficult for for you. Uh, but who are who are the best leaders that you've been around and what are some things that 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 those people taught you? I know it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know, when you 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 you, you kind of sent me this to, to prepare me a little bit. So you've you got to, you know, you, you sit and you think about it a little bit, you know, uh, because I didn't play for Newt Rockney, you know right. I mean? <laughs> but, but the, the high school coach I played for, who who coached Marty Schottenheimer and later Marvin Lewis, mm-hmm. never cursed. But that is point across every right. single day. And yeah. so you learn from that. Yeah, I'll I I, I I'll, I'll tell you that obviously I, I spent the last parts of the last four years with Coach Edwards here at Herm Edwards, Dunkirk. Uh, Tony Dungy, when I got into coaching and and I'm from Pittsburgh and Tony was with the Steelers, and when I would come home on uh, Christmas vacation, whatever it was, and I would go into their office to try to watch tape whenever it was, and, and Coach Dungy would make sure somebody there took care of me. He might not have been in there at the time, but somebody took care of me. So we had a relationship that later in coaching, after my first year as a coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens, I called Tony up and said, Coach, can you spend some time with me? (laughs) And, you know, and then he has been a mentor of mine uh, through this whole thing. And when I was with the Redskins, we're playing uh, Indianapolis when he's there. And we're beating the pants off them. And Coach, and I'm looking across the field at Tony, and he's got his arms crossed, right? He's saying his composure. I'd have been choking dudes out. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so you learn, you learn from people like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned Coach Walsh, and and what he meant. And the other thing he told me is, you know, you're gonna be have an opportunity to be part of the best organization professional sport. And and I said, and he said, you know why? And I said, no, coach. you just could if I f it up, I can fix it. <laughs> you know, and 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 so that's again, that was a learning moment for me. And I tell people all the time, when when you become the head coach, it's your responsibility to see the most, to see. Furthest and see first. <laughs> you know that's what the job is: is to set that that direction, that goal each and every day, each and every week. You play the game, you reset the direction after the game. You reset it the next morning or next afternoon. You reset when they come back to start the next week of preparation. You remind them of it after practice each day. You hit it on the night before the game. And then you go into the game, and that's what it is. You pregame. And, 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 and that's your role. That's your job. And you've got to do it all the time. You know, I, I remember uh, 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 playing a game when Carson Palmer was my quarterback at Tennessee. And we're winning the game, and it's kind of a four-minute offense. And they called timeouts. The last timeout, we got to get the first down. And I tell them, run the running play. And I said, Carson, keep the ball. Take the hand off. Keep the hand off. does it gets the first down. slides game over. He says to me. Comes to me having the locker room after the game, and he says, "You know that was that was pretty brilliant." And he said "How did you know to fake it like that?" I Said Carson, "I have to fake it almost. I, I fake it a lot of Mondays when I come downstairs." With oh, that's good. Said, that's my job, right? When I come downstairs and walk into that room. I got to be ready to go, right? And and I may have been in a dark room before like this, and just come down here and say, "Here we go, roll up your sleeves, and we got to get at it." And uh, but that's that that's important. And uh, I played for college coaches, the last college coach, and the ones before, we would have some guys had a lot of ability, but they were a little left or right of center. they 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 didn't they weren't able to get them enough, teach them enough to get on the field and and show all that athleticism before they would screw something up and get bounced. Yeah, the last coaching staff figured out a way to pull whatever it was out of them. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned about when when you bring somebody in, it's your job to pull what they got out of them. Help them help you. And let them see how they can be productive as you teach them to do other things more productively. Yeah. What do they do? And let's make sure we can do what they do best so they have success, so they enjoy what they're doing, so they come back the next day eager to learn the next thing. It's so important.
0: So we've had, at Kansas State, You, we talked about it earlier, we kind of alluded to it earlier, the transfer portal. And so, so here at Kansas State, we've had the benefit of, of getting guys in the transfer portal, guys who, and I won't say had trouble at other places, but for whatever reasons, they didn't have the success. And like you just said, you know, I think we we've done a really good job of grabbing kids and, and saying, listen, this is fresh, wiping the slate clean, and like you said, taking direct responsibility. In developing those. But sometimes what you have to do is you have to let go of what they did. Right. You have to say, okay, listen, man, it's new. Let's start out new. And I'm gonna give you a new chance. Even not, not even from a transfer portal standpoint, but from a kid who is on your team who has been Mr. Can't Get Right. <laughs> right. Today, let's start over and, and let's 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 do it now. You know what I mean? And I think that's so important because early in my life as a young man man, I made some mistakes. You know, I I jacked some things up. And so it was because of coaches who who said, nope, I'm not going to let you go down that path. You're going to go right. And, And because they were willing to give me another chance, because they were willing to pour into me and not, and they were willing to fight me for me, man, I appreciated that. Now, not everybody does, but some of them do.
1: That's why we coach. I mean, yeah. that's the essence of why we coach. People yeah. ask, why do you do what you do? Why, why are you still doing? Why aren't you out here playing golf six days a week? You know, it's because I would be bored. Because right. I do enjoy those young kids all the time, even today. Even though they're totally different yeah. than what they used to be. Um, you still enjoy them and, and enjoy uh, helping them achieve their goals. Yeah. and doing what they can do. I think it's so important.
0: Well, and, and I'm, I'm going to go to the next question, but I, I just want to add this, that that you do as a coach, so so you pour into people, you pour into them with the understanding that you might not see the fruit come off the tree. You know, you might not see that because this dude just might not get it. But what I've had as a coach, I've had the experience of of guys calling me later and saying, hey, coach, this is so-and-so. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I was the dumbest thing ever. Because when you said this, I thought you didn't know what you were talking about. And now I'm raising my son. Or I've had guys call me and tell me that that they married and have kids. And I'm saying, man, I need to talk to this lady. Because <laughs> she <laughs> need to realize what she has gotten into. you know. But, But on the flip side of it, like I said earlier, I remember me and I remember the trouble and the gray hairs that I gave some people. And, and I, and I, and I call them and I text them and I thank them all the time because if not for them locking in, if not for them being like I am, or I try to be today, totally committed to to changing the world through sports is, is my, is one of my missions in life is that in In sports and athletics, man, we get an opportunity to touch people's souls. We get an opportunity to to go where you can't go in any other realm of their lives. And and we can change people. We can help people, like you said earlier, see their potential and and be something that they never thought they could be. So I'm going to go change change gears just a little bit. Uh, Here at Kansas State, I get an opportunity, you know being in this role to help and, and to be a part of hiring people that we're going to bring onto our staff. I know there's a process that you have uh, for, for adding people to your team. Wh- what are some of the qualities that you look for when, when you are talking about adding people to your staff, having people join and jump on your bus? What are the kind of things that you're looking for?
1: You know, I I think that's a great question, and uh, I think number one, uh, when you're looking to bring somebody on your staff, is do they uh, do they fit those values you, we we originally spoke about? Are the kind of person that you feel good about in their values? Um, do they are their values align with your values on and off the field? Um, you know, I'm I'm not gonna have somebody undressing the players every day with their language and so forth. Uh, that doesn't fit me. Now they're they're gonna curse. It's it's you know some people's nature, but you know, hell, I got a son in coaching, and I remember you know at him growing up and always being right there with me every time I called the team up, and when I heard him curse for the first time. I was like, well, what would you learn that said for me? <laughs>
0: and,
1: and so at that point, you know, I changed how I addressed the team. Yeah. I have no question about it. With him being 12, 13, 14 years old, whenever it was, you know, how I addressed the team was different. Uh, but I, I think that, that's part of it. I think, secondly, I wanna I want somebody that's an expert at what they do. I want, you know, I really do want to try and uh, bring somebody that has uh, an expertise in as, say, as a position coach. Now, there's also other people who have, you feel like have great potential because they're a great communicator, because I think that's the next part. We as coaches are teachers, and mm-hmm. they're a great communicator uh, as, a, as a person, and, and and you see that upon them. And you see that down the line, and you and you can see that vision of them growing uh, to they they achieve certain levels, and, and so forth. so communication and being able to communicate is so important. I think as coaches, we have guys who are great X and O coaches. We have other guys who can reach inside and pull the best out of the young men, and and so you got to have a blend of people on your staff like that, Uh, you know. uh, To me, with like professional football, it's always been important to me to have some ex-players. The ex-players, they garner another level of respect sometimes because they played the game at a certain level. And so sometimes that hard-to-reach player, that guy, even if he's not in his position, he can reach that guy over there. Because they respect him from what he was as a player, and they know how he carried himself, and he also has a perspective because there was somebody that he coached, he worked with, he played with that was like that player, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were able to draw him forward. And I think that that was that's really important to me uh, that way. And you know, really, when we go through the interview process them coaching me as though I'm a rookie player or a freshman player at their position. And how do, we, how do they communicate to me? How do they bring me forward? And, and I think that's really important that way. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you're know, you going to get recommendations from friends and people that have worked with them and so forth. And I think the other part of that, and I remind is, is to be forthright. You know, I've been upset with some guys, who haven't quite been forthright with me, and and now I have put a coach on my staff who's in over his head. Yeah. But now it's my, but now he's my responsibility, and so now I have to go in and I got to work double time to help him get better at the things that, that he needs work at, and uh, you know, and then I let them know. You, 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 you mickey me, you know. Yeah. It's, it's told me something different, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I probably should have told you that. Yeah, you should have told me. Yeah. And let me make my own decision, but at least I know what I'm starting with and where I need the help right away.
0: Right, right, which I, I think that's, that's that's big time. Um, And I think uh, especially, I won't say young coaches, I just think coaches, you know what I mean? Because it's it, when when you're making a hire, you need to make sure you know what you're recommending a guy for. Right. And, and to make sure, again, that, that he does align with the job that you're recommending him for, not just from an X and O standpoint that he is a good coach, but as a person that he does align with the the staff that you're potentially recommending him for. And, you know, I think, again, from your seat or the seats you've been in, uh, it is it's a big time deal to be able to get that right, because, you know, uh, when you're a head coach, like you said earlier, if you don't get it right, the buck stops with you. It all comes back to you. My next question is is about those coaches. And you kind of alluded to it, but how do you, how do you, and you've been around some tremendous coaches uh who have helped develop you into who you are, but how do you, as a head coach, as a leader, how do you uh, take responsibility for developing the, the guys underneath you? Your position coaches, developing them to be head coaches or uh, to be coordinators, to be head coaches. How do you identify those guys and help them move forward in their careers?
1: Yeah, and I, and I think there's two levels of that. You know, uh, we we have, whether they call them um, quality control assistants or whatever they are, assistant yeah. the position coach and so forth. I think it's being able to say to that position coach, have John take the nickels today and work on this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gone. We're going to take the nickels. We're going to go over here and work on this together. And so you, you, you keep bringing more responsibility to those coaches uh, that maybe don't have a true position uh, room and, mm-hmm. and helping them learn to coach on the field, uh, I, I think, is one way. Uh, i think on my staff i always wanted to have a ability that this is the next person in line if i could and it doesn't always work out 100% that way sometimes i did have to hire from outside but i wanted to have the next person in line and i you know and, and everybody assumes they want to do that job they're ready to do that job yeah but i want to see how they handle the room whether it's presenting, uh, when you're doing game plan, uh, breakdown, game plan presentation, that when they go up and that we uh, give responsibilities to coaches so they can grow that way and and how they grow with their responsibilities. When I give a coach a task, how does he complete that staff task and how does he uh, communicate it to the players and to the room? To the, the rest of the staff and so forth, and so I think that's very important that that we give responsibility, and then we we they have to be able to to, to, to communicate that uh, to the group, and I think then you get a great feel can 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 this person ascend to the coordinator's job when Joey goes and gets a head coach job somewhere, mm-hmm. and I now feel like good about this person that way. And and I think that's really important to do that. And that's what you want. You want people that want upward mobility and are ready to have upward mobility and, and ready to do that, uh, you know, so that they, they they don't feel like there's a ceiling on top of them that they have, they're going to have an opportunity to grow. And uh, And I think the other thing is, is just, you know, when you sit down and have your meetings with your coaches at the end of the season or whatever it is, and, you know, hey, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? And how can I help you? You know, what can I do to help you in and, and that way? And, and I think that's really important. So I, I was blessed to always kind of have a staff that had those different levels of people that when, when a guy moved on, we
0: were able to promote from within for the most part. Mm-hmm. So now let's, let's talk about adversity. And, you know, really in our society for the last few years, uh, we've dealt with some adversities that, you know, we never have before, but not just those type things, but just adversity. How as you as the leader, how has the adversities that you faced as a leader, how have those things helped you to be better than you are? Or, excuse me. Better than you were as a leader. The things that you know. I'm, you you kind of talked about it uh, earlier when you you talked about okay. I might be, I might be in this room pulling my hair out, but when I step in front of that team, I got to be a different place. How does or has adversity helped you grow as a leader?
1: I, I think the thing that uh, that I think adversity does uh, with you is when you set that plan. And sometimes there's going to be some bumps in the road and some peaks and some valleys. Yeah. And you got to, first off, you got to evaluate are we still going in the right direction? I think that's number one. I I think secondly is the fact that through that, you have your group on board with you, your coaches, and then you're going to communicate that to them so that you have your posse with you. And then from there, we go to the players. We just lost this guy. Now it's this guy's turn to step up and go. And mm-hmm. they got to have a belief. You got to have a, a, a solid foundation and a belief that this is the way it's going to go and we're going to work at it. And then we're going to communicate it daily. You know, we're going to communicate it that, that this is the direction. This is the way we're going now. And uh, and, and we're moving forward that way. And, and yes, there's been many times you know, I remember riding back on a bus trip from Indianapolis in 2010. And right then on that bus trip, I don't know what week in the season it was, but I made up my mind we were going to be able to run the football better in 2011. And mm-hmm. we And we won the division. We beat every division team. And, you know, and those are the things you do, you know, things like that. And I remember going through that process and that two hour bus ride back when I'm mad at the Hornet. <laughs> Yeah. We were facing adversity, you know, and 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 those are the things you go through. I, I as a leader, and every time somebody becomes a head coach, and they say, "What should I know?" That Tomorrow will be better, right. because <laughs> there's gonna be something that comes up. Yeah, the monkey, funny, you know. Amongst, amongst you, you know? And, well, you
0: said it a couple times. You you said it a couple times about how you, as a leader, you got to keep driving it. You know, you got to keep driving it. Whatever the whatever the values are, you got to keep driving. Whatever the plan is, you got to keep driving it. And eventually, what I've seen, it does, they do grab on, and it does spread like wildfire when it's the right message. I, you, you made me think about, um, like at Kansas State, we won the, the Big 12 championship. And, and like a lot of people, you walk around and people, you, hey, man, congratulations. And you know what? Man, when they say congratulations to me, you know where my head goes. My head goes to all those things that we had to go through to get there. I'm not even talking about games. I'm talking about the off the field stuff. I'm talking about uh you know, a young man who wanted to transfer and we had to sit down and talk because he wasn't playing enough, wasn't getting enough reps. And, and then we had there's certain injuries that we had to deal with. We had to get a guy ready to play our switch a position. So, so yeah, congratulations. But when that ball goes through that upright, through those uprights, I'm thinking, man, we did it, <laughs> you know, which like you said earlier, that's one of the that's one of the true joys of coaching when you when you come out of the mud <laughs> and you rise up and you and you you get to that place that you were fighting for, just like you talked about that bus ride. You made some decisions on that bus ride that you just hadn't made before. And, and when you made those decisions on that bus ride, things changed. They changed because you 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 said they were going to change. You yes. know,
1: you know, and, and it's funny because I remember the offensive line coach coming to me after the season saying, you know, I I I just thought you was blowing smoke. <laughs> but you know, we got away from what I felt were were what were important to me. Yeah. We got away from it and we got sidetracked. And mm-hmm. we had to go back and reevaluate and 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 set a new direction. And I think that's that's what you're charged with when you're the leader. You have to set a new direction <clears throat> when the direction you're going is not not working out for you, and uh, you know, that's really important.
0: And that, and that takes me right to my next question, because the leader, what the leader does, is he's able to say, "Hey, man, uh, you, you need to do this more," or "Hey, well, why aren't you doing that?" or "Hey, I want you doing this, and and you should be doing this." The leader is is. Is given the responsibility to to make sure everybody is is lined up as the leader. How do you how do you evaluate your performance and make sure you are doing the things that you need to be doing as the leader?
1: You know, I, I think we talked a little bit earlier about staff and and how you put it together, and 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 I think you got to have a guy on your staff. A guy or two who really knows you, who ain't afraid right. to tell you what's what. You know what I mean. And uh, and I was fortunate with that. You know that I had a couple guys who could felt like they could come in and say anything they wanted to me and say, "Hey, I I think you're completely off track here." You know, I, I think number one, you you got the training room, the strength coach, and so forth who are around the players, and they get a different call of things. And the strength coach was one of those people for me who we worked together for them for 20 years. And, you know, from the Ravens to the Redskins to Cincinnati, and he could come and talk to me on Wednesday morning and say, hey, I think we're tired, okay, or I think we need to do this. And I might say, you know what, Chip, you're 100% right. I might say, you know what, I disagree with you. This, We're going this direction, you know, whatever it was. But I think it's important to have uh, a couple of people around you that just aren't yes men, that they can come in and they can say, look, I, I think we need to go a different direction here. Uh, I, I think you're doing this really good. This was really good today. Your presentation to the team was really good today. I mean, one season, we went about and, and everybody rolled their head, their eyes, and everything. So people come in and teach us how to breathe. And, and then we took it another step during the season where wherever we were playing, home or away, we played those songs that they play in the stadium, you know, like in, in, in Pittsburgh, the stick song where you're backed up following the 20-yard line and they're playing that stick song and it starts going to Three River Stadium or Heinz Field now and we're backed up. And our guys are out there. We're on offense. We're backed up. They're out there in the huddle dancing. and We just took the ball right down the field and scored, you know, And, and made them comfortable. When we started doing it that spring, they looked at me like I was crazy. Right. But you know what? For a lot of them, they grasped onto it And I've had a couple of them even say to me today how that helped them learn how to breathe in those tense moments that they could see through the the trees, what their job was, you know? And and that's no, and and so things like that uh, all the time are just so important that you do. But, you know, the feedback I got from that was just tremendous, you know? We we had to change. We changed the facility in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, we were getting some uh, uh, injuries that were happening, and we get to the playoffs and we were beat up. I remember reading an article about Aaron Rodgers talking about how great he felt. Well, Mike had changed the schedule up there in Green Bay with him, Mike McCarthy, and so we 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 tried to follow their pattern. We went to a a no sweat Friday and a and a rejuvenation day. And then we came in and we went fast and, you know, quick and fast. And just like they would train an Olympic athlete. But that was a, a theory that Chip Kelly talked to me about. I didn't met Chip Kelly. I went out to Oregon and spent time with Chip Kelly so I could learn. And, uh, you know, so those things were important to me. That All the time you got to change and adjust to what's needed for your football team.
0: Yeah, and we we did that same thing at SMU at one point. Uh and and we didn't we didn't have the opportunity to talk to Chip Kelly, but we heard about it and we read about it. And so we kind of fell into that uh that discovery. Uh but you you talked about having people you can trust. Sometimes you don't want to listen, of course, but but when you had I remember when I was at SMU as the defensive coordinator, and God knows I made quite a few mistakes, but but I had people. Who were confident enough to, to come in and to tell me, man, you know what? I, I don't know about that. And there were points that I didn't listen. And now as I review, I think, man, that was dumb. You should have listened to that. That was a great idea. That was a great thought, but you thought you knew it all, you know. But then there were some other things that that I did listen to. And I think, you know, kind of like what you said earlier, when you have people that you can trust. And they are confident enough to tell you, because when you're the leader, many people, they just go, they will let you drive the bus off the cliff and they will ride. They will just sit in and I always tell people, listen, if I recognize we're going off the cliff, I'm about to say something, you know, you may push me out of the bus, but I'm not going off the cliff, you know, but when you have people who are confident enough to tell you that we're not going in the right direction, again, that. That's an expression of them caring about you. But then even if you don't do what they say, it at least makes you go back in your own private room and think about it. You know, you know what? Maybe I man, at least let me think about that, you know. Uh, and you might not agree.
1: Yeah. No, I, I called him the slap coach, and that could slap you back to reality. You know, I mean? <laughs> that's it, right. It, you know, yeah. and I was fortunate that, that I worked for Mike Brown, who was the son of Paul Brown. And when we talked every day. We might talk for 10 minutes. We might talk for an hour. And he might say, you know, this is how my dad saw it. Or this is how my dad did it. Or that's really good how you did that. Or what do you, what do you think about this? You know, so so I, I also had that kind of backing, you know, from him, from the guy I was working for. You know, because believe me, his family, his daughter, who was in football, they're still in football, in football, all her life, she had questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you need that. That's not a bad thing. You need a system of
0: checks and balance. Well, my final question, and this one, this one really is always a, a cool one for people. Um, and 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 next question is is to you, causes you to reflect on when the the younger Marvin Lewis, right? If you could go back and talk to that dude, right? And you could tell him some of the things that you know today that you, I'm sure, we're all sure would help him. What are the things that you would tell young Mr. Lewis to, to be able to help him with his struggles of that time?
1: Well, you know, I got a young Mr. Lewis who's coaching in the XFL.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, so you're telling him what you would nobody could have told you back then.
1: And, and and I think the one thing, and we talked about it early on, is I had patience, and and I would re I I think that's still so important that you gotta have patience. Uh, you you have to uh realize that there's a lot of different ways to do things, and and I think that's important that if you learn. And you listen, you be a, a, a better listener, probably than anything. And uh, you know, I, I, I think in, in many ways, I mean, I, I think I was fortunate uh, that uh, you know, my 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 goals and my aspirations weren't where I ended up. I never thought about those things, and so I think that's fortunate. And and that's what I would say to young coaches today. And it's hard. Because it's more competitive, you know. Like we talked about, you know, I don't know how many analysts y'all have at Kansas State, but I know there's ten sitting at issue yeah. you know, and uh, so that's ten more young guys, you know, various experience that are in the job market all the time, and and, and that's important. I mean, there's a couple young kids, young brother there that I've been so impressed with, uh, and. You know, he needs a chance to coach. Yeah. You know, he played for the defensive coordinator of Bowling Green. He followed him to uh, uh, from Bowling Green to Syracuse to Reno to Washington State nowadays you. I mean, you know, and and those are the you know that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I wanna I'm gonna help him get a break. Yeah, I hope one day. Right. You know. But that's what I would say, you know, and and to me, he's the epitome of patience, you know, Mm (laughs) you know, getting to know him over the last two two months, three months. Dude's patient, man, (laughs) you know.
0: Again, that's what is that's what is one of the things that this coaching world is about. Uh, I was reading about the coach at FDU uh, who, who won the basketball game, beat Purdue the other day reading that this dude coached division two and division three basketball and I actually I talked to my players about this that that this guy 20 years in division two and division three I never been to a division two II, division three basketball game but I think they have about two or three hundred people at, at the games and all of a sudden he gets his shot right he gets his shot and 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 then. Upon getting a shot, he ends up beating Purdue, beating the number one seed in the tournament, and so like we would think that that victory came about two or three weeks ago or two or three months ago when his season started. But man, this dude been he been plowing and chopping wood for twenty years, coaching in front of three four hundred people, and and then here's a moment. And so my message to my players was. Man, just keep working. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's gonna see it somehow, some way. You said it earlier. You never know who's gonna help you be able to get over that over that that over fence.
1: And, and and when you get that opportunity, you're prepared because of all the things you have done leading up to that. I told my son, I use the same phrase the other day with him, just keep chopping wood, bro. Keep right. you, keep chopping wood. When you call upon your guys, Make sure they're ready. Don't care about how many of them you got on the field. That ain't up to you. You ain't coordinating. But when you guys called upon, make sure they're ready to go. And and that's what it's all about. That's all you can do. And have that patience. Don't don't talk about how much money you make. Don't tell them, but I need to do this. I need to do that. Just handle your business where you are, right where your feet are, and good things can happen. And, uh, you know, that's part of the life. You know, it really is.
0: Tyrone Willingham said many, many, many years ago, and so Coach Willingham recruited me out of high school. Um, but he said it many years ago at an AFCA conference. It was at actually at a BCA meeting, and uh, he walked up there to the stage. And you know, you've been at the BCA meetings back in the day. What that was about was about to go that was down. The first one. <laughs> yeah, really, wow. <laughs> that
1: was the first one in Chicago.
0: Wow. Well, man, I'll never forget him walking up to that mic and he said, listen, guys, the thing that you better understand is no matter what you can say about whatever you want to talk about, you want an opportunity, you got to get your product right, get your product right. And I'll never forget that. Uh, and, And as a coach, I'm always thinking about that. What is your product? It's you, it's your players, it's your brand, all of that is your product get your product right. And, and you know, man, God does not give you the passion to do what you do to not allow you to do it where you want to do it and to not allow you to do it in the best place to give him that glory. Well, coach, man, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your leadership more than you even know, more than you'll ever know. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of lessons that people can can glean from this this podcast. Well
1: oh, I appreciate you letting me be a part and, and look forward to staying in touch and uh and good luck with y'all. And uh you know we uh it's funny because we uh last year playing uh Oklahoma State and then later SC, you know uh we we you know we'll be watching with y'all how y'all defend them. You know what I'm
0: saying? Listen, man uh, it ain't – none of it is ever easy, which you know that. It's not easy. It's not easy. The Offensive coaches, they learn how to cheat. You know what I mean? Well,
1: they, they, they they evened it out with a quarterback, you know, runs 11-on-11 football. You know, we right. Had, we to be advantage for a little bit. Yeah, you know? we need to be six, six and a half
0: quarterbacks who can't move. Uh, they don't have any more of them. Oh, no, they don't have many more. That's what we,
1: we played Stanford and Washington last year, you know, and you're able to beat up on them for the quarterback and we know where you're going to be. <laughs> You know, thank you coach, I appreciate it.